0: So today, uh, if you hear extra chatter, murmuring among the pews, uh, it's because we have children with us today. Praise the Lord. Uh, A lot of the the children's ministry classes are taking a break for the next couple of weeks. And so kids, I hope you hear me say thank you for being in the, the sanctuary with us today. Thank you for being with us today. Um, We're so glad that you're here. The children's leadership team, uh, after uh, the the message, we're going to be presenting uh, Bibles to the kids who are graduating from one class up into the next class. And parents, we think that it's important, and other adults as well who are here, we think that it's important for kids to be in the service every now and then. Uh, some families choose to have their kids in the service all of the time. And that's great. Um, we don't do this just to give adults a break. We actually think that it's important for kids to witness their adults or uh, witness their parents and other adults in the room participating in worship, seeing that not just their parents aren't the only weirdos in the world, um, but there's a whole room full of them here. So welcome to the club. <laughs> um, but kids, pray when we pray. Sing when we sing. Stand up when we stand up. And sit down when we sit down. And the wonderful thing uh, is that you have a special superpower. You are so good at asking questions. You ask questions when a lot of us adults are pretty scared or intimidated to do so. And so we want to hear the questions that you have. So if there's a, a phrase that's read in the scriptures, or maybe we sing something that's odd, or maybe there's a symbol that you see in the room and you don't quite understand it, my guess is that a parent also doesn't know what's, what that means too. And so this is a great opportunity for us all um, to, to explore God, to explore his Bible, and to explore the traditions of the church together. So we need your questions. We need your presence. We're so glad that you're here today. So this is actually I'm not going to tell you what season it is right now. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But kids, do you see anything different in the room? Because there's something like yeah, green banners. Yes, green banners. Yeah, we hear green. We could call those curtains, I guess. They're they're kind of they kind of look like curtains. That's totally right. Yeah, good job. Um, so these are yeah, you're right. The colors are now green in here. Green is the color of uh, trees. Grass, um, uh, frogs are green, bugs are green. Green is the color of abundant, joyous, ruckusy at times, life. It's the color of growth. It's the color of growth and of new life. And this reminds us that ours is a God of life. And he desires us to, to grow up into maturity in him. And he has given us every resource we need to do so. This season, sometimes it's called the season after Pentecost. Sometimes it's called normal season, which is a bit of an odd term. Uh, but my favorite term for this season is ordinary time. Now sometimes ordinary can come off as meaning like boring or normal or uh, plain at times, which some of us might actually want more boring in our lives right now. <laughs> Maybe I'll speak for myself. Uh, but ordinary It has another meaning to it. It means putting things into order, to uh, put things in their proper place. If there was a hot mess of books across the floor right now, and I asked you to um, clean this up, you would probably put them on a shelf in alphabetical order. And then you would step back from that and you would say, that is normal, that is proper, that is how it should be, it's ordered. Uh, I'm sure all of you made your beds this morning, and what you did is you took the chaos of that bed and you put it into order, right? You made it normal. You made it beautiful, right? Um, I make my bed every morning, by the way. No, that's not true at all. (laughs) Um, But if your parents were to come into the room and see this well-made bed, they would think, This is wonderful. This makes me glad. I saw a nod over there from a parent. Good, thank you. Thanks for going along with that. So why am I saying all of this? Because we are in a chaotic world. We are in a broken world. We are in a messy world. And God has given us all the resources that we need to experience proper, ordinary, good, and abundant, beautiful life in him. This is what we have been learning about these last several months. This is what we have the church calendar for. While the world was chaotic and rebelling against God, while we were uh, tucked away and hidden in darkness, he pierces the sky, he comes down, he walks among us as Jesus Christ. And then he, he teaches us his beautiful things, the way to, to live righteously. And then he dies upon the cross, making full payment for, this, for the sin of this world, and then God the Father raises him to life. And then he pours out his Holy Spirit upon us, inviting us to walk in that newness of life, to experience the power of the resurrection. He has given us everything that we need to live a life that is beautiful and pleasing to him. And this is the ordinary work of God. Now, it doesn't sound ordinary to us because, quite frankly, we're sinners. Our imaginations just aren't wired in a way to recognize God and his, and his imagination and His goodness as something that is ordinary. To us, it's very unordinary, right? Like it throws us off. And so when God moves in our midst, sometimes we're surprised by it, and we, we, we don't think that it's right. Sometimes it even makes us mad at times, and that brings us... To our story from Matthew's gospel, because that's precisely what this is about. And actually, before I go on, did you hear the, the opening collect this morning? My goodness, I, it, it struck me uh, this morning. Grant, O Lord, that the course of this world may so be peaceably ordered by your providence that your church may joyfully serve you in quiet confidence and godly peace. Lord, have mercy on us. May that be true. So let's turn to Matthew's gospel. So this is more than just a story about Jesus recruiting someone else to be a part of his team. So Matthew was a tax collector. Uh, kids, do you know what tax collectors do? What? What do they do? Yeah, cool. They collect taxes. That's absolutely right. And, and parents, do you enjoy paying your taxes? No, okay, great, great. Now, those of you who work for the government are like, please pay your taxes. I enjoy that. But yeah, like usually people do not enjoy paying their taxes. They especially don't enjoy paying their taxes if the government has been pushing you down and oppressing you and abusing you and extracting all of your resources just to make their lives more um, cushioned and comfortable. So people despise the the Jewish community who were being taxed by the Romans despise people like Matthew. Because Matthew was a Jew, he was, he, and he's supposed to stand in solidarity with his people. But instead, he decides to go and work for the Romans and take advantage of his own countrymen, to take advantage of his own family, his own village, uh, his own people. And so everyone despises people like Matthew and tax collectors. His family would have rejected him As Matthew walks through town, people would probably spit at his feet. Uh, No doubt the religious community shunned him as a traitor. And as the years roll on, as Matthew does this year after year, he probably learns to just accept the shame that is being thrown at him. Eventually, he comes to believe the things that other people are saying about him. And so he has this identity, then, that is defined by the shame and the stigma of his society. If Matthew himself has any desire to know God, he probably thinks that God is so mad at him and so angry at him that there's no chance of that ever possibly happening. Matthew probably thought that he was the furthest from God than anyone else in his life. And then what happens? Jesus passes by him. That's such a peculiar way of of phrasing it. Jesus passes by. If that sounds familiar to you, it it should. uh, God passes by Moses as he's hidden away in the cliff of the mountain, right? And then God meets him in that moment. Jesus passes by and he calls out to Moses. And the Bible says that Matthew rose, again an interesting choice of words, and followed him. Now why do I say that it's interesting that Matthew rose? Why did the Bible make a point out of the fact that Matthew was sitting when this happened? I think that's intentional. Whenever we hear that word rose, it should remind us of someone else in the Bible who rose one day. I think this is the Bible's way of saying that this is a resurrection moment, that Matthew is rising to a new life at this moment. Just as Jesus will rise from the grave, so too, when he meets individuals, they rise to a new life in him. We've got examples of this. Jesus calls Andrew and Levi, and they rise, and they follow Jesus. When Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, she rises, and then she's able to serve Jesus. When Jesus heals the paralytic, he rises, he picks up his mat, and he's finally able to go back home. Rising is a big deal. When you meet Jesus and the power of his resurrection, then you are able to rise and experience new life in him. So the story continues. Jesus eats dinner at Matthew's house with a lot of other sus people. That was a cultural reference, I'm told. Um, and the fairy did I say that right? Yes! Yes! <laughs> Sus is short for suspect. Did you know that? (laughs) Yes, it is. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) You should agree with your pastor, (laughs) Martin. So the Pharisees, they see this happening. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they do what religious leaders do, and they get cranky. And they see what Jesus is doing, and they ask him, they say, like, why are you eating with these deplorables? Why are you laughing with sinners? Why are you breaking bread with these kinds of people? And Jesus says, I'm not here for those who think that they're healthy. I'm here for the sick. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm the physician. I'm the doctor. And I have good medicine to give. And then that's exactly what he does to these people. He, he brings abundant life. He brings celebration. He brings dignity to people who have been starving for it for so long. I wonder what it would have been like to be in that room with Matthew, in Matthew's house with these sinners, disciples, uh, tax collectors there. Jesus himself is there. What would it have been like to be in the room for that dinner party? Now, if you're one of the disciples, you're probably a little uncomfortable Because you know the social norms, right? You know that you're not supposed to bump shoulders with these people, that they're despised, and shoot, if I spend time with these people, maybe I'm going to have my shoes spit on the next time I go outside. They make me feel weird. They make me feel uncomfortable. Might be going through their mind. But if you're one of the weirdos, if you're one of the uncomfortables, what would you be thinking? You'd probably be thinking, this is hilarious right now. (laughs) Like, this teacher who says, who seems to be speaking from some kind of divine source of authority is now at my table. This man who reaches out and, and heals people who've been blind their whole lives, who've been sick forever, he's now here eating with us. Like, how could that room not be filled with laughter the entire time? Like, they all knew it was absolutely hilarious that this was happening. So if you're one of those people, you're probably wondering, like, why is Jesus here? This is so strange. This is so weird. This is so backwards. And Jesus says, this is normal. Jesus says, this is what's ordinary. This is what my kingdom is supposed to look like. This isn't weird. This isn't backwards. This is normal. You see, when Jesus encounters people, they rise, and their lives are transformed. And by the power of his Holy Spirit and the mission of the church, this is what is supposed to look like as the church spreads across the globe. This is the ordinary work of God. So kids, in a minute, uh, we're gonna invite you to come sit on this rug. and there's going to be some beautiful prayers over you. And you're going to be given these gold packages up here. It's really, really cool. I can't wait for the, uh, the children's leadership team to come up and do this. And may you encounter Jesus in this book. Like, really encounter him. Because the story that we're telling today of Matthew, it's actually a really normal, ordinary story in the Bible. There are a lot of stories in the Bible like this. Matthew is not just some one-off guy who Jesus calls. Jesus is always reaching out to the lonely, the broken, those who are despairing, those who are hungry, those who've been shunned. Jesus reaches out to them over and over and over again. He reaches out to the criminals. He reaches out to murderers, to cheaters, to liars, the worst of the worst. And he brings them into fellowship with him. So, May you encounter Jesus in the words of this book. May you hear Jesus saying, I am the great physician and I can make you, hell. I can make you healthy is what Jesus says. <laughs> That's a different message. We'll talk about that other one during Lent, I guess. I can bring health to you, Jesus says. And he gives us the way to do that. He takes all of our sin upon himself at the cross and opens up the way to us to eternal and abundant life in him that we might bear great fruit, that we can be, um, experience his beauty and his goodness. And this is the ordinary work of God. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for stepping into our world. When we were far away from you, Lord, you reached down and you invited us to come and to follow you. Thank you, Lord Christ. May we experience fellowship with you Lord, may this be a community that laughs with you. May this be a community, Lord, that celebrates ordinary life in you. We ask all of this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.